0: Well, church family, I want you to know when you look around, some things are exciting and are going to be taking place. Uh, My wife said when I got up here today that I should say, hey, mate, I mean, we've got a boomerang over here. (laughs) We know that Vacation Bible School is, is coming. Matter of fact, it will begin on the 20th, run through the 23rd at 6.30 every evening. Let me just encourage you parents and family members to get those children in your family, those that you love, in your neighborhood, to come on That week, one of the most uh, precious times in the heart of our children is Vacation Bible School. Let me just say this also. You may not know this. One of the most effective ways for our children to understand the Lord Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation is through Vacation Bible School. So let me encourage you to be about inviting and bringing. I know that uh, things are being uh, planned, a lot of hard work's being done, and uh, it's going to be a great, great week. And speaking of salvation, I know our our students are back from camp, and we've had several get saved at camp, and you'll be hearing more about that. I know Tori texted one day and just said, hey, another one just got saved. So, uh, Tori, I know you were excited about that, and when I saw that, so was I. I pray your heart rejoices when individuals give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand there are a lot of needs that we have in life. But the greatest need we have is to know that when we die, we're going to go to heaven. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to take them and turn with me uh, this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Very, very uh, important words that the Lord Jesus is going to be speaking here uh, this morning. Uh, Matter of fact, when we think about this passage of Scripture, there's several things that we might want to consider. uh, First off, uh, Jesus is preaching on the Sermon of the Mount. The longest sermon he ever preached, he's preaching right now. And when the Lord Jesus is preaching, he had taught on many subjects. Matter of fact, when you think about what he taught on, he mainly taught on man's relationship with God and God's relationship with man. And at the very end of this sermon, he gives a strong warning. And this warning is a warning of deception. It is a warning of being deceived. And what he is going to say here in this passage of Scripture is that we might well look into our hearts. We must consider where we really stand with Jesus Christ. Because, folks, I'm telling you, it's one thing to be deceived, but when self-deception takes over, that's even worse. And so when we come to this passage of Scripture, we need to remember this statement. Here it is. Oftentimes, last words are most remembered. Oftentimes, last words are often remembered. Now, listen to me. Can you remember when maybe someone you loved the last words they shared with you? They have stuck with you. Some of you are nodding your head right now. The last words I remember my father saying just before he passed away was simply this. Son, I love you. Preach the gospel. Yeah. Now, I'm just telling you, last words are those words that are the longest Remembered. And so the Lord Jesus is going to share some last words with these individuals. And, you know, when we think about our society today, we think about where we are as a nation. You know, we sing the songs, Lord, we need you now more than ever. If I were to make this statement this morning to you and say, do you believe that our nation is a heavily minded nation? Man, you'd shake your head no. And you would say, there's no way. Man, we live in a wicked world. I mean, it is wicked. And there is no way that we could even consider people in America thinking about heaven. Well, that is a strange statement when you ask that question. But let me give you a recent survey. This survey uh, has come from the Cultural Research Center. It is located at Arizona Christian University. And here is the question. Do you really believe there is a literal heaven that people go to when they die. Now watch this. I want you to hear the results. This poll was taken in 2020, so it's not that old. Here's what it said. 80% believe in a literal heaven where people live with God after they die. 83% of Americans. 48% of Americans, adults believe this. A person can work their way into heaven alone. 53% of Americans, when asked that question, disagree. 52% of people who describe themselves as Christians adopt a works-oriented means of acceptance to God even though they participate in a church that teaches the only way to heaven is through repentance of sin and faith in Christ and Christ alone. I find that very amazing. 33% of adults believe they will go to heaven solely because of confessing their sins and repenting and receiving Christ as their Savior. Now, folks, I want you to know something. When you look at these statistics, and we're going to read the words of Jesus, there's something I want you to remember. Remember this. Last words are often remembered the longest. Not everyone's going to go to heaven. Not everyone who thinks they're going to go to heaven is going to go to heaven. To heaven you can be sincerely in your belief but you can believe sincerely wrong and Jesus is fixing to show us that this morning he said David why are you preaching this message I'm just gonna get real spiritual with you because this is what God laid on my heart in our churches today in our America today we may believe that when you die you're gonna go to heaven but Jesus sets the standard, the criteria for which that takes place. And so my desire today is when you leave this place today, you'll not only know for certain that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Those of you in here that have doubts, that will be settled. Some of you are in here today, and you know that if you died, you wouldn't go to heaven. God's going to give you that opportunity today to get that all settled so that you can have this certainty Forever and ever you'll spend with him in heaven. Remember, not everyone is going to go to heaven when they die. If you will, join me as we read Matthew chapter 7. And let's begin reading in verse 21, three verses of Scripture we're going to read this morning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that every heart and every mind will not be distracted in any way. And Father, for just a few minutes, that you will begin to shine your light into the hearts of every person in every chair. And no one would leave here today, Father, without knowing you as Savior. Father, I pray you will bind the devil and the demons of hell from every distraction. Father, that we would see you move with great power so that your name could be exalted and glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to notice when the Lord Jesus repeats these or says these words in Matthew 7:21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. The first thing that I want you to see here is a shocking declaration. A shocking declaration. You see, Jesus has just made a statement that has really shocked these individuals that are listening to him. I mean, I want you to think about who's there. You've got his disciples that are there. There is a large crowd that is there. You've got Judas that is there. You've got Matthew that is, these individuals are all hearing what the Lord Jesus is saying, and he's simply saying, not everyone who calls me Lord will be saved. He's letting them to know something this. What he's saying is this. He said, some people who think they're saved are gonna wind up in hell because they never knew me as their savior. He said, David, that is a tough statement. It really is. And folks, by the way, I want you to understand something. These are not my words. I'm the messenger boy. I'm repeating the words of the one that was crucified, buried, and rose again. Amen. If anyone should know what it takes for a person to go to heaven, he came from heaven, he went back to heaven, and he'll come again. And so when we look at these words and we listen to these words, I want you to understand these people heard what Jesus said. You're never going to make it to heaven. Some of you, and by the way, we're going to see here in just a moment, Many of you will wind up in hell. That's what he's saying. So Jesus is saying something like this. He's also saying, you can profess me, but you don't possess me. Notice what he says there again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. You see, you can profess Christ, but not possess Christ. You can say a lot of things about him, but not believe in him. You can believe in the doctrines of the faith, the tenets by which we look to and adhere to. But I'm telling you, you can do these wonderful things and still miss God, still miss Jesus. You can be sincerely good. You can do some right things, but still not go to heaven. Jesus is sending a call that wakes him up. You see, when we think about this, we think about these people probably sitting there thinking like maybe you are right now, but I'm a good person. The worst form of badness is human goodness when it's substituted for the new birth. Let me say that again. The worst form of badness is human goodness when it's substituted for the new birth. When you and I think that our goodness will get us into heaven, then what we need to do is compare our goodness to the cross at Calvary. Instead of looking to someone else and what they're doing, we need to see Jesus. You say, David, is that really true? I mean, is it really real that you can profess Christ and not know Christ? Three weeks ago, I was at the basement door. Someone asked me the other day, said, Brother David, where are you on Sunday mornings? Well, if you come down to the back and you come in the doors downstairs, I'm the greeter down there. I want to hug on you and love on you and greet you, thank you for coming. And the other morning, uh, one of our Sunday school teachers uh, came through the door, and I looked at him, and I said, Brother Donnie, you doing good. He said, man, I'm doing great. I said, everything all right. He said, man, it's wonderful. I said, what's been going on? He said, well, my wife's behind me. Why don't you ask her? So I'm thinking, good night living. He must have gave her a new diamond ring, or they were going on a vacation. I mean, you know, you get to thinking, what in the world would you be excited about? And so Kathy comes to the door, and I said, Kathy, Donnie just told me that... Uh, Something good's been happening or has happened, and I'm just asking you, what do asked ask me to ask you? What's happened? Tears began to fill in her eyes. A smile came on her heart. She said, Brother David, said, you're not going to believe this. She said, but I've been married to a preacher, Sunday school teacher for all these years, and this week I removed the mask of deception and self-deception realizing I was lost. And I want you to know I went to Donnie and the hardest thing I ever had to do was tell my husband. He was married to a woman that was lost. She said, I've decided that I wasn't gonna listen to what the devil said, that I would embarrass him. I'd make a fool of me and all the things that he told me. She said, what I realized was what was more important is what God knew and what God said instead of pleasing someone else. She said, I went to him and told him what had happened. She said, he led me and we got down and I prayed and invited Jesus Christ into my heart. And she said, I want you to know i settled the issue forever and it doesn't matter what man says. I know what God knows and now I'm a child of God and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Amen. I'm here to tell you deception. He's making a shocking declaration. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you must be born again. Jesus told the most religious person in the Bible, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven, much less enter in until you're born again. You must be born above. There must be the Spirit of God convicting you of sin. There must be the Spirit of God drawing you to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God confirms and convicts. And by the way, he's the one that will bring you to Jesus. And so we understand There must be the new birth. You must be born again. It's very clear when Jesus is sharing these words that some who think they're going to be saved, in reality, they're deceived. The Bible has much to say about this. Did you know that? He said, David, you just picked out one verse of Scripture, and you're going to take one passage, and you're going to tell me there's going to be a lot of people in hell who think they're going to be into heaven. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to share with you several verses. Several things that the Lord Jesus throughout the Scriptures remind us of these things. For example, if you take God's Word and you look at verse 13 and 14, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Notice that. And there are many who go. He didn't say there wasn't any. He said there would be many that go. He said there would be many who go in by it because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life and there are a few that find it he says there are two gates there are two ways there's two groups of people and there's two destinies ladies and gentlemen you either come through the gate Jesus said I am the gate those that enter in come through me and you come through that gate or you'll go to hell and you'll split it wide open he said well you're just a hellfire brimstone preacher so listen to me friend Jesus Christ preached more on hell than he did on heaven Hell is such a terrible place. You say, well, why did he create hell for people? He didn't. He created it for Satan and the fallen demons that came out of heaven. I'm here to tell you today because God is holy, God is just, he must and he will punish sin, and he will punish those that have never received Christ as Savior. You say, well, I think punishment ought to be just for the wicked, those that are the ungodly, the murderers, the child molesters, the pimps, the prostitutes, and you just go on and on and on. My dear friend, remember who he's talking to here. Remember the crowd that's gathered in front of him here. He is talking to those that look like believers in Jesus Christ, but they're not. Consider the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13. He said there's some individuals that look just like believers. By the way, he says you can't tell them apart on the outside. You can't tell by the way they talk, the way they dress, the things they do that they're not believers in Jesus Christ. He used a comparison of wheat and another weed called Darnell. If you take the seed of the two, they look the same. The wheat seed and the Darnell seed look exactly alike. But when you open them up, the wheat has the fruit. The Darnell is empty. There's nothing on the inside. You see, dear friend, you can have all the looks of a Christian You can know the talk of a Christian. You can dress like a Christian. You can read your Bible, but in your heart, you're not of God. He gave that illustration. He said that they are planted together. They progress together, and they're processed separately. One group goes to heaven, and the other group goes to hell. Not only did he use the wheat and the tares, he also read 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Paul said, you need to examine your heart. Notice what Peter said in 2 Peter 1 and 10. He said, give diligence to make your calling election sure. I'm telling you right now, he is coming to the point right here. Jesus is. He didn't want anybody to stand before him one day. And God says, why should I let you into my heaven? You're going to see what these people say to this question. You see, folks, I'm here to tell you today, when we think about heaven, this should be the major concern of all the concerns of our life because I'm telling you, eternity is too long for us to be wrong. And so we understand, you must come through the gate of salvation. We see a shocking declaration. And not only do we see a shocking declaration, I want you to see a startling defense. You see, here's what's going to happen. Every person will stand in judgment. There's two major judgments. One of them is called the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ. Those are for the true believers. They're not going to be judged on their salvation. They're going to be judged after they're saved, their service unto the Lord. But then you got this other judgment we find in Revelation 20. And Jesus is giving a picture of this. And they're standing before God, and I want you to notice the defense that they give. Look with me, if you will, in verse 22. Their defense simply says this: "Many will say to me in that day. Many will say to me in that day. Here is that word again, many. Many are on that road that leads to destruction. Many are going to stand before Him and they're going to say. In other words, they're going to give their defense. They're going to give their defense on the day of judgment. And basically, when they begin to speak with their words, describing their works, what they're going to tell you is this, I want you to notice what I have done. Instead of saying, this is what Jesus has done for me. You see, when you don't know Christ, all you can brag about is yourself. But when you know Jesus, bless God, all you can do is do what? Brag about him. And so here they are. They're going to give their defense. And it's based on their works, and it's based on their words. Notice what they say here. It's very interesting, the things they have done. And by the way, they did some, some wonderful, marvelous things. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? What they said is, we've been good preachers. We've been good miracle workers. We've done a lot of good things, and you ought to recognize our goodness, and that's what we're going to base our eternity of salvation on as our good works. Can I just go ahead and tell you something? Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What he said is on that day, on Judgment Day, if you can't boast on Jesus, give me go ahead and tell you something. You ain't gonna make it to heaven. He said, "David, that wasn't good English. No, but that's good preaching. Bless God. I'm just going to tell you. Everybody, all right? I'm here to tell you, it's a wake-up call. Jesus is giving him a wake-up call. He said, "David, what is it? How is it that people are deceived in are self deceived How about works? How about preachers who preach for years?" and they think when they die they're gonna to go to heaven. Robin, and I was preaching in South Carolina. When I gave the invitation, several preachers came to the altar and got saved. Matter of fact, there was 37 of them. Preachers. I asked one of them, I said, why in the world are you a preacher and you're lost? He said, well, I'm a preacher because my daddy told me when I was a young boy you'd make a good preacher, so that's what I wanted to be. Well, how are you lost? He said, because my grandfather was a preacher and I thought just because he was a preacher that I would go to heaven. Listen, friends, you don't go to heaven by osmosis. You've got to choose. It's your choice. There are two gates. There's two ways. There's those two roads, and you choose which one you're on. He said, I'm lost. And then not only are there preachers that are going to be lost. Judas was in this crowd he was speaking to, by the way. What about preacher's wires? Man, I'm telling you right now, I've had revivals. I preached revivals. I was preaching here one Sunday. A lady came down the aisle, like to knock me down standing right there. I said, What in the world is going on with you? She said, I'm lost. Her husband was off preaching. I said, What do you mean you're lost? She said, I'm lost. I know I've been lost. She said, As you started preaching, when you started preaching the passage you're on, I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't want to hear it because I knew I'd be convicted that I was lost. And she said, I can't stand it anymore. She said, I've known I'm lost for a long time. I said, well, why had not you done something about it? She said, because I didn't want to embarrass my husband. He's a preacher. I can come tonight because he's not here. I don't want to embarrass him. She said, but now that I've invited Christ into my heart, she said, it wouldn't have embarrassed him. He would have been the most excited of anyone to know that I got saved. Can you believe that? Preacher's wives, deacons, deacons wives. I was preaching one night on a Wednesday night, got through preaching, left the church, started down the hallway. Me and the man that was with me, watch this. We started down the hallway. We were going down the hallway. All of a sudden, Keith, something reached out and grabbed me by the shirt. I mean, folks, if you grab me from behind with me, it's adrenaline, it ain't flight, it's fight. Everybody all right? I mean, what do you want? I mean, I turned around. He said, don't worry, I just want to get saved. I said, you what? He said, I want to get saved. I said, well, why are you down here hiding? He said, I'm the chairman of the deacons. I've been waiting on you to come by here because I wanted to get you to pray with me. I need Jesus to save me. Mm -hmm. Happens to preachers. Happens to preachers' wives. It happens to deacons. It happens to Sunday school teachers. I'm here to tell you right now, you can work all you want to work. Instead of working your way into heaven, you're working your way into hell. Working your way into hell. So the self-righteous, I'm too good to be saved and don't need to be saved. Let me just read the roll call of hell to you right quick. Did you know there's a roll call of hell? If you take your Bible and you turn to Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, I want to read you the roll call of hell. He said, David, you're one of them hellfire brimstone preachers. Thank you for the compliment. So was Jesus. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all ours shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Folks, I'm here to tell you right now, hell is a real place. Real people go to hell. Hell is for certain. You say, David, the self-righteous, they go there. The fearful, you say, David, who are the fearful? The cowardly. These are individuals that know they're lost, but they're not willing to come forward in a service like this to give their heart to Jesus Christ because they're afraid of what people think. My dear friend, I want you to understand, this place right here is a place that loves you and accepts you. There is no better place than today to come and give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're afraid of what people would think. Not only do we see the fearful, but what is the unbelieving? Who is this crowd? This is that crowd that has a head knowledge but has never received Christ into their hearts. These are the individuals that can tell you all the things about Christ here, but they've never experienced him here. Someone asked me one time, said, David, how far is heaven from hell? About 18 inches from your head to your heart. Three Tuesdays ago, be three weeks this coming Tuesday, Donna and I were with Mark and Carla, and Donna and, uh, just went over very casual and said, hey, hey, Carla, what you been up to today? She said, well, I've been eating and getting saved. You've been what? I've been eating and I got saved. Donna's jaw dropped, my jaw dropped. Carla is our executive pastor's wife. Been in church all her life. I preached at their church where they came from many times. She's heard thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sermons. Now watch this. Here's what she said. She said, told this to Mark. Said, Mark, I've been sick a long time. I've had a lot of physical problems. What if I had died without Jesus? I'd been in hell. I have been deceived for so long, thinking because of what I knew that was going to be good enough. She said, but I never knew him in my heart. And she went like this, and she went like this. I'm here to tell you today, I'm speaking to people right here. God knows your heart. You may never reveal it to me. You may hold on to it all the way to hell. But if you will just let your pride down, realize that you've been deceived, remove from that self-deception, and trust Christ, you'll be on your way to heaven. Those that are deceived. Those who needed to receive Christ, but they didn't. How about motives? Some people won't be saved because of their motives. Donna and I uh, were talking this morning, and she's heard this sermon about 200 times. I gave the invitation. She said, if I could get saved, I would all over again. She said, but I can't. I said, sweetheart, tell me again why you went as an 8-year-old to the altar. She said, because my sister did. My motive for going was not to receive Christ as my Savior. My motive for going was because I wanted to be like my sister. I asked a teenager one time, Karen, when I was preaching, I said, why are you getting saved now and you didn't later? He said, when I went earlier in life, it was because my buddies in school, teenagers, said, you're a chicken if you don't go forward the next time during the invitation. He said, I didn't want to be a chicken. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. He might not have been a chicken, but if he hadn't received Christ, he would have went to hell. He said, I'm coming tonight because I know need Christ need Christ.'" as my Savior what is your motive for coming I want to listen to this there was a preacher's wife one time came to me when I asked her why she wanted to get saved here's what she said listen to this Keith she said I knew when I married him I was lost but I figured if I married a preacher and if I was good enough I could get into heaven God would let me in wrong motive I'm here to tell you the only motive that you can be saved by is realizing that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. He's the Son of God. He was buried. He resurrected from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And he says, if you'll come to me by faith, I'll receive you as my own. That's it. And so we say, well, what about past experiences? I've had people say stuff like this. They'll say, well, I had an experience. I said, well, what kind of experience did you have? Well, I had, you know, one of them fuzzy experiences. But Scott, I had a fuzzy experience one time. Me and my brother were laying in bed. The door on the basement was open. The next morning when I woke up, there was a cat coming across me with a tail right across my nose, and fuzzy-wuzzy was. I, I'm telling you, I had a fuzzy experience, and I'll never forget it, but that's not going to get me into heaven. I'm here to tell you right now, a fuzzy experience. You, listen, you can go to the Mexican restaurant in 30 minutes. You can have an experience after you've been that place. None of that's going to get you into heaven. A startling defense. Last thing I want you to see, last point, and then we'll be through is this. There is a shocking declaration. They cannot believe what they've just heard. They're not going to make it to heaven. Many of them. There is a startling defense. We've got to defend ourselves. But I want you to notice, last thing, a solemn doom. The first thing we see in this solemn doom is a shocking confession. I want you to watch this. Verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Jesus is not saying I knew you and I forgot you. I once knew you and now I don't. Jesus is saying, I never knew you. Surely, surely they were shocked by what he had to say. I never knew you. I want you to think about where they had been. I want you to think about all they knew. I want you to think about all that heard him say. But yet he says, I never knew you. That word knew is an incredible word. It does not mean to know intellectually. It means to know with intimacy. It is a picture of the consummation of marriage between a man and a woman. What he is simply saying here, I never knew you. And if he doesn't know you, you cannot know him. But before you leave today, in just a few moments, I'm going to give an invitation. You can know him, and he can know you. He said, "David, is that bad? Man, it's less. It's terrible." Second Timothy two nineteen says this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal: the Lord knoweth them that are His. God knows those that are His. I can remember being a 27 year old young adult. Setting and a preacher preaching a message titled, Simply This How to Have Peace in a War Torn World. He says, You can never know the peace of God until you've made peace with God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I had substituted being baptized as a baby in another denomination, the Baptist. I had gone through a course as an 11 year old called Confirmation. And was baptized again when I was 12 years old I went to a Baptist church and heard a preacher preach on sin and you must be saved I didn't know what that meant had no clue of it but I knew I needed it everybody all right with that He said, well, come forward if you know you're going to need to be saved. Friend, I'm going to give you that invitation because Jesus is speaking publicly. He's given these individuals a public invitation to exchange their self-righteousness, their works, and their words for a real relationship with him. So I came forward. He said, why have you come? I said, because I want to be saved. Josh, they sent me down over here. Lady got off the piano. They filled out a card. Come back next week and we'll baptize you. Now, listen. This is how people miss it. People miss it because, number one, they've never been counseled correctly. Never been counseled correctly. Or when they're counseled, they're not taught the right thing according to the Scriptures. I didn't say to the Baptists. I didn't say to any other denomination. I pointed to the Bible. And so for 15 years, if you... If I had died and stood before God, I would have said, God, don't you remember when I was a 12 year old boy? I came forward. I gave my hand to the preacher. I got baptized. I carried my Bible to school. I prayed before all the athletic events. God, don't you know what I've done? I've been teaching Sunday school, I'm an ordained deacon. Yet on July the 29th, 1984, Keith, I heard, You're not a child of mine. You have been placing everything else as works to get your way into heaven instead of repenting and by faith receiving me as Savior. You see, I didn't know that I didn't know. Buzzard, I didn't know that I didn't know the right way to heaven. I I didn't know that I didn't know. How sad it would have been to go to hell not knowing the right way to heaven. I didn't know. So we see a shocking confession. Lastly, I want you to see a solemn condemnation. Notice the last part of this verse of Scripture. Notice what he says here. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now watch this. He says, depart from me. Depart from me. Those that are lost are going to be ordered to leave from the presence of the Lord. Where would they go? If you were not into the presence of the Lord, On judgment day, you will spend eternity separated from him in hell. Heaven is a place of bliss. It is a place of eternal glory. It is a place of undying love and acceptance. But what about hell? Hell is a terrible place. Listen to how terrible it is. The Bible says in Mark 9, 43, it is unquenchable fire forever. Luke 16, 25 says, a place of memory and remorse. A place of memory and remorse. Dear friend, if you were to die today without receiving Christ as Savior, you would remember in hell forever the little preacher man standing up in Maysville Baptist Church and preaching on this passage of Scripture and God giving you an opportunity to be saved. I plead with you today. I beg with you today. I'm telling you, Trust Christ as Savior. Listen, it is a place of thirst, according to Luke 16, 24, 25. A place of misery and pain, according to Luke 16, 24, 26. A train operator. The engineer on a train, driving, car stranded across the tracks, blowing the horn, blowing the horn. Couldn't stop the train. The train ran into the car, dragged the car down the tracks. It blew up, caught on fire. The engineer jumped out of the train, ran to the car. All he could hear, I'm burning in hell. I'm burning in hell. Save me. I'm burning in hell. He reached in to drag that person out, and when he did, he burned all his arms all up through here. His face was seared. I'm here to tell you, I went to visit him in the hospital, this engineer. He said, David, all I could hear, I didn't sleep at all. I hadn't slept for a week. All I can hear is save me, save me. I'm burning in hell. I'm burning in hell. It's a place of frustration and anger according to Matthew 13, 25 a place of endless separation from God according to Revelation 21:8, 2 Thessalonians 1:8 through 9. It's a place of undiluted divine wrath according to the word of God. There's no comparison between heaven and hell. Here's what you must remember. Not everyone is going to go to heaven. Today, If this was Judgment Day, and by the way, it is, today is Conviction Day. Where would you spend eternity? You were standing before God, He said, Why should I let you into my heaven? What are you going to say? These people used their words and their works. They made a profession, but there was no possession. Today, you can receive Christ as your Savior. You know when I was uh, 12 years old and the preacher asked us to come forward and I did Tandy when I gave my life to Christ as a 27 year old here and God called me to preach right after that not long right after that here's what I wanted to make sure of that no one where I ever preached were given a false sense of security that being baptized before I knew Christ gave me a false sense of security. I'm telling you, if someone in the pulpit had said, in order to receive Christ, this is the steps you need to take and this is what God's willing to do, I wouldn't have come forward to have done it. I would have done it there and then I would have come forward to rejoice in what I had done. Everybody all right with that? You hear what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, if I had known how to be saved, I wanted to be saved. Well, you say, well, you can want to be saved and be saved. The Philippian jailer said, What must I do to be saved? Paul responded, Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Someone ask you to bow our heads and let's close our eyes. You may be a teenager, you may be a Sunday school teacher, you may be one of our faithful deacons, you may be the biggest giver in our church. But you don't know for certain if you died, you'd go to heaven. Or maybe God has just completely already shown you like he showed Carla and like he showed Kathy that if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. Well, dear friend, I'm going to give you the opportunity that was not given to me as a 12-year-old. You see, God's Word says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is a matter of the heart. So from your heart to God's heart, best you know how, would you say something like this? You say, David, why do you want me to say this to him? Romans ten seventeen says, "For says, or 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I truly believe that you died on the cross, shed your blood to pay the ransom for my sin. You were buried, and three days later you rose again, proving that you conquered death, hell, and the grave. And right now, I want to remove every excuse, every excuse that I've used for not receiving you. Thank you for showing me where I really stand with you. And right now, I want to get rid of my deception. I don't want to be a fake or a phony anymore. Right now, I want to come clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I want to become your child. Will you come into my heart right now and save me, Lord Jesus?